You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Um, I'm going to read just a little bit of scripture to hopefully frame some of my discussion. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. If you do, you can follow along. Um, This is uh, from 1 Corinthians. There's a a bit in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 where Paul is talking about a Christian community, particularly when gathered uh, to worship. And we often forget that when reading 1 Corinthians 13, which is the sort of famous love passage that often gets sort of taken out of that context when read at weddings. Uh, And the ministers usually say really silly things related to 1 Corinthians 13 that have nothing to do with why Paul wrote it. Uh, but I'm going to read a little bit. So you know 1 Corinthians 13 probably about love is patient, love is kind, etc. You've heard that before at every wedding you've been to um, or elsewhere. I'm going to read a bit from chapter 12 before it and chapter 14 after it. So this is sort of the frame before and after 13. Keep that in mind, okay? Uh, so this is Paul talking about uh, the body of Christ, uh, which is his, one of his metaphors for uh, the Christian community. So this is chapter 12, starting at the 14th verse. For the body does not consist of one member, but, me- but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And then I'm skipping over 13 and going towards the end of 14 starting at the 26th verse, where he's now talking, he's just talked about the body uh, and love uh, within that context of the community, and now he's talking about worship. Um, And he says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh in what weigh, uh, others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I uh, thank you for um, the Cathedral Church of the Advent, and I thank you for our 5 o'clock community here in particular tonight, especially uh, for those here gathered, uh, each individual, but also those uh, who are unable to make it, Lord. I thank you for each one. And uh, as we contemplate what you have in store for our our whole church and particularly this community um, uh, draw us closer in in love of each other and love of you uh, we know you are in the midst of us lord guide us guide our hearts guide what i have to say and 
and guide what we hear and uh, how we uh, take this and, 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 and move out into the world and, and back here again Sunday by Sunday. Uh, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, um, so I, I uh, sort of I'll kind of come back to what Paul's saying here in 1 Corinthians. Um, uh, uh, but uh, I want to talk to talk to you about the five o'clock service um, and uh, what at least my hope and some of the leadership's ho- hope is for the next sort of uh, what we call program or academic year. Sort of, um, we really, you know, I mean, we we do our budget January by December. We arrange our uh, our liturgical or church year calendar sort of uh, December to November. But we really, let's be honest, we operate on a kind of September to August schedule, don't we? I mean, we're often fighting against the chronological calendar year and the liturgical year, uh, but it's true that we really sort of operate from September to August, kind of around the academic calendar, as it were. And so that's why uh, I've tried to do these meetings uh, each year to think about, you know, what's in store. And uh, the, the, this is timely because um, the Advent has spent the last year and a half, really, try to settle on what is our, our vision. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the vision process and what we've come up with and uh, what that really means for us. It'll sort of be a springboard for what I want to say. Uh, but I've just talked about the, um, the body of Christ uh, and um, the marks of the body described in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 through 14. And the thing I want to say is to think about, especially the 5 o'clock uh, um, this community not as just a service. You know, for so long we've we've said what the five o'clock service, which is totally fine. That makes sense. Um, but and I and I make a confession that you know I've been here for three years and a lot of my energy for the last uh, three years, but especially the first two years was was working on the service. Um, you know, the certain logistics about space needs and music and. Uh, Thank God for Zach Hicks. We just got the new sound system. Did you hear that tonight? Um, and uh, the sound is uh, better than it ever has been before. Uh, and, uh, you know, so all those kinds of things have, have been on my mind largely, especially the, the first two years or so that I've been here. But the last year I've been just thinking about, um, I, I don't really want us to think about ourselves as just a service, but a community. And I think that means something entirely different. Because I think often uh, when people say, like, the 5 o'clock service, it sounds like an event that you show up to, right? And uh, it, it, that has limited sort of impact on uh, individuals' lives, whereas a community is something more robust. It means something beyond uh, just Saturday at 5 o'clock. It means uh, relationship Monday through Sunday. Uh, and maybe not all the stinking time, but, you know, there's something that flows out of a community gathered and flows into it versus a, a service that we uh, show up to. And so um, I, I bring that as a sort of a metaphor for, for what we're talking about. And I think it relates to what Paul is saying in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, um, that we're not just a, an event uh, with individuals who come and consume and leave. Um, as a matter of fact, he says the church cannot be just individuals who see no need for each other, uh, but we're incorporated into a body uh, and, and people bring different things. You know, some are eyes, some are ears, uh, some are pinky toes or whatever. Uh, but, you know, we, we all have different gifts and different personalities and different backgrounds, uh, and that makes up the whole and we're blessed uh, by it. So with all that in mind, I just want to direct your attention, though, to 
uh, the Advent's uh, overall vision. Um, we, if you didn't get the, uh, the booklets, uh, they're on the, the table uh, back there on, uh, towards the, the entrance of the room. Um, and uh, there are three there that uh, explain the vision in different ways. I'm going to take a look, if you have one. If you don't, it's okay at the white one that says uh, priorities and planning, because this gives you the sort of the bare bones of, of what uh, we've come up with. Uh, and it's not just the clergy. This was, uh, I mean, help me out, anybody who was there in the process, I think over the course of the last year and a half, over 100 people were involved uh, in this process from all the different uh, uh, congregations of the church that gather on Sunday, coming together to represent the body. Uh, and we came up with a, uh, an identity statement and a purpose statement and six strategic priorities that we'll focus on for uh, who knows, not, not a year, not, not two years, maybe not 15 years, but for a little while uh, until we kind of reassess it again. And the identity statement we came up with is the Advent has a living, daring confidence in the grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our purpose statement is we exist, uh, and by the way, this is in red on that first page. We exist to proclaim the freeing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples wherever God has placed us. I'll just read that again. What's our identity? The Advent has a living, daring confidence in the grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's our purpose? Our purpose is that we exist to proclaim the freeing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples wherever God has placed us. I mean, that can be a lot of language if you don't stop and think about it, but they're, I think they're really powerful statements about grounding in the good news of God's grace through Jesus Christ. And ultimately, uh, what we're trying to do is to make disciples. And I want to talk about that word. Uh, in terms of being a community, we're a community, um, those eyes and ears and fingers and toes of the body of Christ is made up of, of the word we use as disciples. Uh, what is a disciple? Um, and that's one of the six strategic priorities, which are the, the sort of uh, practical areas of emphasis that we want to focus on. There might be other things that we do, uh, but this is really a lens through which we think about um, uh, what we're about here and uh, what we say yes to. There are a lot of great ideas that happen, uh, and, and we can't say yes to them all. And this kind of gives us a framework. So I'll get to the discipleship one. That's one of the six strategic priorities, but uh, let me um, look at all six of them, just the, the statements themselves. I won't talk about the, the practical elements that flow out of it. So the first one is worship. We will uh, hold the gospel at the center, rooting our worship in the English Reformation, making it always acceptable and hospitable. Accessible. Uh, ex ex accessible. What did I say? Acceptable. Acceptable. Right. Yeah. That's funny. That's a, that's a Freudian slip, isn't it? Uh, Accessible. Um, communication. Ha ha ha. It's the next one. Um, we will communicate in ineffective ways. <laughs> uh, we will communicate in ways that effectively enhance and further uh, the ministry and purpose of the Advent. By the way, this is an this is an attempt toward that. You know, this kind of meeting is an attempt to enhance the communication. That it it's not sufficient. It's insufficient. But through a variety of different means, how can we best communicate what we're about and what's going on? You know, it's so often that people say, uh, why, does, why doesn't Evan do X, Y, and Z? And I say, we do. You know, why isn't there a quiet service of worship? Have you been to 730? I mean, I just said that to someone the other day. And they said, oh, that's too early for me. 
but they had no idea. You know what I mean? Because there's just so, there's so much going on uh, that it's it can be difficult to communicate uh, what we're about, but uh, and what we're up to, and uh, and this type of thing, and these brochures are are a stab in that direction. Hopefully, as the word here says, we will become more effective. Uh, uh, about it because it enhances our ability to proclaim the, the gospel and to make disciples and to be a community. I mean, in the word communication is community, right? I mean, it's about sharing uh, the information to the community. Shepherding is the third one. We'll focus on the reconciling word and work of Jesus Christ uh, as they propel us in the way we care for and live with one another. And here again, I mean, here's a sort of in, inward looking, uh, maybe less of an outward working, looking, but uh, it can have an outward looking aspect to it. But just the caring for each other, uh, the compassionate, encouraging ministry that Paul describes here in 1 Corinthians 12 and elsewhere, uh, the building up of one another, sharing each other's burdens and not just being individuals like ships passing in the night. Uh, outreach. Um, Here's, an, here's one that, you know, it's very simple language, but just think about what this is saying. If this actually happened, this would be massive. I mean, we'd be talking about a, a, a movement that would change lives. We will serve the Lord Jesus Christ by engaging in a spiritual and material restoration of our city. Uh, talking about building a culture of people who care about, um, as Brandon said last week in his sermon, uh, anticipate anticipatory deeds of, of mercy, good deeds. Uh, you know, we're people who live in light of a future hope. And how do we bring restoration to the, the city and people around us uh, through our, and, and not only that, but internationally as well, uh, through our, our, our means of outreach. And, and discipleship, number five, I've mentioned this all along. I think that, by the way, I think if we do this discipleship thing, everything else kind of flows out of that. Uh, we will equip every member of the Advent for the work of discipleship by creating and nurturing a culture that responds to the grace we have received from Jesus Christ. Um, you know, what, is it, what does it truly mean uh, to be a Christian? Not because we're duty-bound moralists, but because we're people who are, who are convicted and propelled by this message of uh, God's grace and mercy. And finally, this is another area that I'm, I'm really excited about. Some of you in this room are Beeson Divinity School students. You know, I, I welcome uh, more of people from other uh, walks of life, not just Beeson, uh, to accomplish this task here, ministry development. We will identify, develop, and equip leaders for full-time professional ministry at the Advent, in the Episcopal Church, and in the Anglican Communion. I mean, that's it, but it's a lot, you know, if we actually did that. And a lot goes in uh, to the identity purpose and each of those uh, strategic priorities. Um, what you know? What does this look like for us? What does this look like for the the five o'clock community, not just service, uh, in particular at the Advent? Uh, I have a few thoughts about what this could look like. Uh, say the next program year, or say uh, just this fall. You know, at least that. You know, the next uh, few months. Uh, what could this uh, mean for our community? And uh, there are uh, one, two. Uh, three or four things that I, I want to highlight. Some kind of overlap with this vision. Um, all should overlap, uh, but some, uh, I think, are addressing some particular needs for our community. The first thing I want to say is prayer. To commend all this uh, that we're talking about to prayer. Um, because without that, uh, we're depending on our own strength uh, and our own ambitions um, and our own desires uh, and not... Um, falling at the, the throne of, of grace and um, listening to what, what God has said to us uh, in his scripture uh, 
and uh, and having conversations with him, both as individuals and communities about about this, and to to use that as the the, the place uh, that we go to to strengthen us for this work. I want to read something to you uh, from Timothy Keller. You all know Tim Keller. If you don't, you should learn about him. Uh, just retired from a Redeemer Church in New York City. Um, he said something uh, in this book that I'm about to read to you about prayer for a community, for the body of Christ that I, f- I thought was fantastic. If we could sort of harness this sort of thinking about prayer as a community together uh, as we... Um, as we uh, try to, um, to, to work out this vision. Um, he, uh, this is a, the heading here says, Extraordinary Prayer. Uh, to kindle every revival, the Holy Spirit initially uses what Jonathan Edwards called extraordinary prayer, united, persistent, and kingdom-centered. Sometimes it begins with a single person or a small group of people praying for God's glory in the community. What is important is not the number of people praying, but the nature of the praying. C. John Miller makes a helpful and perceptive distinction between, quote, maintenance and, quote, frontline prayer meetings. Maintenance prayer meetings are short, mechanical, and focused on physical needs inside the church. In contrast, the three basic traits of frontline prayer are these. Number one, a request for grace to confess sins and to humble ourselves a compassion and zeal for the flourishing of the church and the reaching of the lost, a yearning to know God, to see his face, to glimpse his glory. These distinctions are unavoidably powerful. If you pay attention at a prayer meeting, you can tell quite clearly whether these traits are present. In the biblical prayers for revival in Exodus 33, Nehemiah 1, and Acts 4, the three elements of frontline prayer are easy to see. Notice in Acts 4, for example, that after the disciples were threatened by the religious authorities. They asked not for protection for themselves and their families, but only for the boldness to keep preaching, exclamation point. Uh, Some kind of extraordinary prayer beyond the normal services and patterns of prayer is always involved. So what could this look like? I'll just give you um, a couple options, um, some opportunities. Uh, First of all, one of the three uh, booklets uh, that's in that group is probably the most important one uh, is the gray one called Devotions and Prayers. So we put together a devotional uh, for six weeks starting next Sunday uh, as a whole church community to pray together uh, the same uh, prayers and devotions, thinking the same thoughts about these six strategic priorities. So week one, looking at one priority, week two, the next, etc. Uh, for six weeks. Again, so that this can all be saturated uh, in a community of prayer, all kind of literally on the same page each day. You know, if, if you skip a day, if you miss it or whatever, you know, go back and double up or whatever. We don't need to be legalistic about it. Uh, but uh, starting uh, next Sunday, hopefully, or whenever you can for the next uh, month and a half or so, uh, praying together these prayers and reading these devotions. So that's another one. Another thing that's coming up is the first Monday uh, of the month, uh, starting in October uh, for a season, we'll have uh, uh, prayer meetings at Cranmer House, our, um, our annex building in Homewood on uh, Linden Avenue at 7.15 p.m. Uh, Andrew will be leading it. Just show up. Uh, and uh, real, real no agenda than, than, than other to pray in this way, frontline prayer. Uh, for for our community and finally also you know commend all this stuff that we're talking about here to your own private devotions or or small group Uh, really uh, bring what we're talking about here into your prayer life Uh, 
So I've talked about prayer. The next thing I want to talk about that I've been repeating over and over again is discipleship. Um, I, you know, this is a kind of word uh, that is, uh, you know, like so many Christian, Christian easy words that can be sort of like tossed around. And we're like, what is anybody really saying? You know, gospel is one of those words. So we have to be clear about what we mean when we say the gospel. Uh, discipleship's another one. Because that might, depending on your background, bring uh, a whole host of different notions to the mind, right? Or maybe you've never even heard the word before. Maybe that's your background. What is Matt talking about? Uh, what is discipleship? Well, when we're talking about it, what we mean is that the gospel matters for all of our life. Uh, that the good news of Jesus Christ that thing that we have the living, daring confidence in matters uh, for all our life. Remember, I said, you know, not just a service, not just a Sunday at 5 p.m. or Sunday at 9, 11 or 7:30 a.m., uh, but but all of life. Um, and uh, a, a, a definition that you could take for a disciple is a forgiven sinner learning Christ in repentance and, and faith. Uh, which affects the totality of our Christian life. As Mark Ginolette said, if you came to the forum that we did several months ago, remember he was sitting right here on the stool. If any of you came to that, we had a sort of open forum with Mark Ginolette, uh, who's on staff here, but also a professor at Beeson. And someone asked a question after all he was talking about, which was sort of a, um, a sort of an open forum about, uh, you know, responding to questions of skeptics, for example. And someone asked, you know, well, what does any of this really matter? And uh, for, you know, say, uh, my job or my family, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, fill in the blank. And Mark said something like this, you know, just off the cuff. He said, well, if this stuff is true, it affects everything. If what I'm talking about is true, it affects everything. It, it affects the totality of my life. Uh, and the thing about, I want to add to that is that, again, not just ears and eyes and nose and toes off on our own, but doing this stuff together as a community. That discipleship has to exist within the context of a community. Uh, we can try for a little while to do it on our, on our own, and we might succeed, uh, but uh, it's, it's really insufficient. We must do it together. A, a favorite uh, quote that I have that I often come back to, and some of you might be tired of hearing me say this, uh, read this uh, and refer to it, uh, but this is uh, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, uh, Life Together. He says this about the, Christ the totality of Christian life. This is what he has to say about discipleship, uh, not just for individuals, but within the community context. He says, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. Uh, so, you know, I need, I need you, you know, we need each other. Uh, we, 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 we can't do this thing on our own. Uh, and I would say the easiest way to start now, just a, a no-brainer way to start now, this is a, one of the things that I want to emphasize for our community uh, to con prayerfully consider uh, during this season, and if it doesn't work for you practically this season, keep it in mind for the future, is, is small groups. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a core ministry around here, and it's really simple. Uh, it requires a group of people in the community a sort of sub-community gathering midweek around God's word and prayer. 
Uh, and uh, it's a no-brainer way to do this. And any of you who've been in a small group can probably bear witness to the, the, the power of that. Sometimes it doesn't work. Holly and I have had fits and starts, uh, you know, so sometimes it takes some uh, persistence and perseverance uh, uh, depending on uh, God's grace in that context. But eventually, hopefully, you land, you circle in for a landing in a, in a small group or a similar maybe midweek environment for mutual edification, even if it's not a formal small group of the Advent, something like this. Um, another way to think about discipleship within the community context is something uh, Zach said in a sermon uh, several months ago uh, that you might not have heard because it was in the morning uh, where he gave a great metaphor uh, and he probably plagiarized it from someone else because it's that good. He's shaking his head yes. Um, that, uh, you know, there are two types of churches, he said. Were, were any of you there? This is great. Uh, there are cruise ship churches, right? What, what happens on a cruise ship? You, 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 there are some people who, who do most of the work and serve uh, most of the people there and then you just sort of passively bask in the sun and you know take advantage of uh, what's happening there and he said there are battleship churches and battleships if you've ever served in the navy or know anything about it all hands on deck right i mean there's no loose end if you, if you're not you're not pulling if you're not you know involved in the sort of making the whole ship float um, people will notice. <laughs> I'm not saying that to be like uh, we're, we're playing police here or whatever, but, uh, but it's a great metaphor that what we want to be around here is more akin to a, a, a battleship than a cruise ship. Um, I don't know, man, a cruise ship sounds pretty good right now. <laughs> right, yeah. The reason, the reason uh, for that is because what happens to the few people who do everything? They get burned out. They absolutely get burned out. And so there's actually no discipleship happening often in the cruise ship church uh, because it looks like a lot of activity by a few people who actually aren't really uh, often um, gathering around God's word uh, but tinkering with things, right? I mean, you've been there before. I worked in college ministry, and this happened over and over again every year. The same three college students did everything. And then when they were a senior, I never saw them again because they were burnt out. And it wasn't just the ministry. It was everything else in life. Uh, but a battleship uh, is a good metaphor for thinking about how we're all mutually serving uh, each other uh, in, this, in this endeavor together. Here's another ship that uh, I want to think about is, is membership. Um, um, uh, and uh, I've sent uh, some letters to some of you who've uh, been coming around who... Uh, who aren't formally members of the church. And you might be wondering, like, what's that all about? Uh, it wasn't singling you out. I sent like two dozen of those uh, because I just looked up at our system. Who's actually a member of our church and who isn't? Um, and this is a countercultural topic these days. You know, in t- 2017, to talk about membership, like, what is Matt talking about? Who cares? You know, I mean, who cares? Like, we just, we don't live in a society where people join anymore. Am I right? I mean, that's a sort of... Uh, that's kind of an old uh, sort of timey way of thinking. You know, we join clubs uh, and uh, we join cruise ship clubs, right? Uh, we don't join battleships. Who wants to do that, as Zach said? Um, but uh, I want to say to you that when I think of membership, when it comes to the church, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he says members of the body, right? I mean, just total mind shift um, that... Uh, that uh, membership is a, is a, is a natural uh, part of the church, that we can't be individual lone rangers, that we need each other. And, um, it's, uh, and so joining a church is not joining in terms of a, a club, but uh, 
is, is joining in terms of jo- like joining a family, as adopted sons and daughters of God, as adopted brothers and sisters who are in a dysfunctional family yet loving each other, right? I mean, because really the church is always a dysfunctional family, striving to get better and better. So um, membership uh, is another thing uh, to think about. And if you're already a member, you know, awesome. Uh, but think about what that means. You know, what does that mean in terms of all that we're talking about here, about being a, a community? Um, and uh, finally, uh, last thing I want to talk about is something else that we'll uh, em- begin to emphasize or at least strategically emphasize around here in a sort of laser beam focus rather than a shotgun scattershot approach is outreach. Um, you know, uh, the, like I said, if, if we took to heart what's said in the, um, in the brochure here, this could, um, I mean, this could be massive, uh, having a, a culture of people who care about something like outreach. And um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, in the sense of, as Brandon uh, talked about in his sermon, uh, quoting, when helping hurts, uh, doing anticipatory deeds of service. Not doing this because we're checking off a, a box of, you know, I did my good deed or this is what I have to do. But we are people who are, um, who've heard the good news of God's grace through Jesus Christ. And this affects the totality of our life. And I hope that that's so powerful that it causes us to want to respond and learn to love, especially those who are overseen in our society. And so one way that uh, I've, I've been doing uh, uh, for our community with a few other select individuals here, but I want to open up to all of you, is to, to try to strengthen our relationship with Brother Brian Mission. Uh, which is right here downtown. Did you know that? They're on 2nd Avenue North, across the street from uh, the Thomas Jefferson Building. So just a few blocks away, 75 men at any given time living right here downtown uh, who are in a nine-month or longer process of uh, recovery and restoration for their lives, often having um, uh, a whole constellation of different types of drug abuse, or uh, mental illness that's just causing their life to hit absolute rock bottom. And so they're at the end of their rope, and this is where they come. And they're not just given a cot and two hots or whatever they say, uh, but they're given a nine-month process of recovery to wholeness so that they might sustainably live on their own. uh, And faith is saturated. The Christian message is saturated there. I mean, I'm just amazed to have these guys... Reading the Bible, I mean, these, when I go, these guys t- talk to me about Jesus more than I talk about Jesus. It's, it's incredible, and they're excited about it. Um, and, uh, and it's right here. And one of the requirements they have for these guys is they have to go to church. Now, that might seem strange to you, but think about it. In terms of their process of recovery, that makes a lot of sense. For all the things that I'm talking about, to have a community of support. Why aren't any of them coming to that event? I mean, we're right here. And uh, so I'm, uh, uh, I'm trying to strengthen our ties there. Mike uh, serves down there. Uh, some of you have been down there before. I've brought some of you down there for lunch to eat with the guys. Uh, and they might come around here a little bit uh, uh, in October. Uh, their director bringing some of the guys who have gone through the process to give testimonies of how this has affected their lives. Uh, so we might hear directly from them about what they're up to. And that's a start. You know, there are other things, but... Uh, this is, uh, you know, one one of the things that that we could be doing, and it's right on our uh, front porch. You know, they could walk to this church. Some of them take buses to Bessemer, and uh, I mean, like somebody was saying, because a church in like Rainbow City or something like. It is crazy, like because they're looking for a good church, and someone takes them. 
they can walk here, you know. And so, uh, so that's one thing. That's one place where we're, where I think we could focus on outreach. So just to recap, frontline prayer, not maintenance, but uh, that this really matters for our life. Uh, that we might be humbled by God's grace and uh, and and uh, and um, anticipate with. Um, with eager longing to, to finally see God and to live in light of that as a community. Um, USS discipleship, not, you know, not cruise ship, but, uh, you know, uh, battleship. And the metaphor, you know, I mean, eventually falls flat, but I hope you get what I'm saying. Uh, and uh, membership, um, not as a joining of a country club. You can do that, but that's an entirely different thing that we're talking about um, and, and the whole reason for that is to commit almost in a covenant way that uh, we will stick together. Because the thing is, we're all going to disappoint each other. If I haven't disappointed you yet, I will, right? And if you're not, if, if you're just consuming church, you just move on to the next one until they disappoint you. Uh, there's something different, um, I think, psychologically, emotionally, about, about committing to a community despite all its failings, because we have ours. Um, and then finally, outreach. Th- those four areas, uh, and they're all related to our vision, but things that I think are very pertinent for our particular community um, that, that we could focus on for a season and see where that takes us. And I think if, if that were true, if this vision were true, I hope that that would be really attractive to people, that we don't actually need to do a ton of work uh, to, to, um, to convince people uh, to come around and, uh, and to and sort of, what do you call it, sort of clamoring or grasping for straws. That uh, if, uh, and we've already got some of this going on here, but doubling down and, uh, on these distinctives. And those are probably some of the things that have attracted you uh, to this place. But how could we go there even deeper uh, and become um, even more uh, attractive to people who are really uh, looking uh, for answers in a world that is, is not providing answers or they're providing all the wrong answers in all the wrong places that are leading uh, to further hurt. There's a group of people that uh, I've been working with since I think January or February where uh, we've endeavored on an 18-month commitment together to a, a small group of us to think about these kinds of concepts, particularly for the 5 o'clock community. So now we're like, what is that? Eight or nine months in. We've still got uh, quite a while to go before we'll finally have some implications for what we think we want to do. Uh, but we're being patient uh, about uh, about this process. It's called the Vine Project. Uh, any of those who, who are in the room who are working in the Vine Project, can you all stand up so they can see you? And some are missing reluctantly. So pray for these people, okay? Alfred, Emily, Charlie, Sarah, Zach, Brandon, Glenn's not here. Who else are we missing? Bethany. Bethany. Bethany's in Africa. Uh, anybody want to just say of you guys quickly, like uh, what we've been up to? And that can be the last person standing. The rest of you can sit down. Just a brief thing. <laughs> Alfred's good for it. Yeah. This is not planned, so we'll just go with it. Really, all I would say is that as a team that we're praying for you guys, praying for the service, what Matt's saying here is not lip service. He really means it. I think that's why it takes 18 months. We just don't do it in a week and be done with it. It's a long-term process. But just over there, we're praying for you. We're praying for the service in our community. 
and um, we're we're serious about doing that. Yeah. Thanks, Alfred. Yeah. So so pray for us and uh, and. And uh, and know that uh, things, you know, things like this will kind of roll out. And that's where some of the energy is coming from. Some is coming from the larger vision of the entire Cathedral Church of the Advent. Uh, but uh, but uh, we have a, a distinct group here in this community who, who are working on these kinds of things. So it's not just me, Brandon and Zach kind of in the office coming up with fancy pants ideas that this is uh, really uh, saturated in frontline prayer from ordinary members of your uh, community. Um, for all this that I've said, um, I, I want to announce something, and, and I realize that some of you might be disappointed by this, but the reason we made this decision is because of everything that I've said. Uh, we're not going to do Lessons and Carols in the Park this year. Uh, we're going to have Lessons and Carols right here in the church. Um, uh, this is a hard decision to make, but uh, I, I think it was a great event. If you've been to it before, you know what I'm talking about. And it was a catalytic event that I think gave a lot of us excitement to kind of move forward to do things like when we moved into the nave and whatnot. But it just required a lot. And there were so many uh, unforeseen variables, like 27-degree weather <laughs> uh, with musicians trying to play. Right, Melanie, did she leave? <laughs> Uh, playing, trying to play violins, you know, have you done that before? Or the brass players, do you remember that? Can you imagine putting brass on your face when it's 27 degrees outside? Um, so, you know, it just was a lot of work, and I think it was staff-driven primarily. Um, and we'd rather take that time, energy, and resource and attention and to put it into people, into individuals, uh, and to put it into each other. And uh, it'll be great. I mean, the Nave's a beautiful place. Zach has special arrangements that we've already created, and we'll continue to do that. We'll have Lessons at Carol's right here in the Nave, uh, and uh, we'll allow the church with all so many other Lessons and Carol's uh, to focus on those events, like the day school Lessons and Carol's. If you really like that kind of event, we've got uh, several other opportunities uh, here. Uh, we've got one of the greatest ones in the world with the day school, but also our own uh, Cathedral Church uh, Choir uh, does two, one for Advent season and one for Christmas season. I commend those to you. But as I said, the reason for this is um, is to focus on people uh, more than uh, uh, programs or service. Not that we won't have programs, but to to focus our efforts there. With all this in mind, there are some upcoming dates that I want to uh, bring to your attention. Uh, on November 5th is uh, the Sunday after All Saints. Uh, within the sort of uh, context of kind of the announcements time, we'll have a brief uh, uh, sort of um, uh, ceremony for people who've committed to membership here at the Advent in the past year or so, who uh, who really come to the 5 o'clock pretty exclusively. Some of you have already uh, said that you'll do that. Um, so we'll pray for, for those who are committing to membership, and, and you'll, you'll see them. I mean, hopefully you'll be encouraged by that, the, the witness that they bear publicly. Uh, to their faith and commitment here to the community. And for that reason, uh, four Thursdays in October, I'm going to do a study at my home, uh, If you're consist- particularly if you're considering membership here. Uh, that is an opportunity geared towards you. Uh, Thursdays in October, all four of them at 7 p.m., uh, it's called Get to Know. Well, for the four studies, we'll talk about uh, getting to know God, getting to know our church, getting to know some of the leaders, and getting to know each other. I hope that's what you want, if you're, if you're in, at least as a basics, uh, if you're committing to something like membership in a community, if you might want to do that, you can just email me. Uh, my email address is real easy. It's matt, 
M-A-T-T, at Cathedral, uh, what is it, cathedraladvent.com. <laughs> this, is so, this is so weird, I'm going to confuse you even more. We have cathedraladvent.com for our email addresses and adventbirmingham.org for our website. Somebody made the decision a long time ago, and it made sense then, but every time I just like have to do gymnastics in my head. You can find it on our website, which is adventbirmingham.org. <laughs> but the email address is matt at cathedraladvent.com. Just let me know if you'd like to do that, okay? Um, and I'll t- I'll, I can sh- send you my address and uh, details about it. And as I said, uh, last other date to be determined, I think some, one of the Sundays in October, we'll have uh, the guys from Brother Brian uh, come and share with us more about that ministry. Uh, there are some sheets on your table uh, that are gathering some information from people, some sort of data points that we think would be really particularly helpful for getting a sense of who's who in the zoo here at the five, five o'clock. Um, if, you, if you think that we already have your information, that you're like in the database, um, would you please fill it out anyway? Because it's possible but that we might have some missing information. And if you're actually, if you're interested in the study in October, and if you're interested in what I'm saying about joining the church and, 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 and publicly committing to that on November 5th, there's a place on there where you can express that interest. Uh, um, and I said yes or no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. There's no maybe category. Um, so if you don't know, just don't answer it. And, uh, you know, if there's something on there that you don't feel comfortable sharing, just leave it blank. There's no asterisks next to any of these, other than it would be good to have your name, you know. Um, but everything, everything else is kind of optional, up to your discretion. And finally, uh, I, I, I purchased some books uh, of called How to Walk in a Church that's on the table. Those are for you, my gift. Um, this is uh, by one of the authors of the, the, the book that the Vine Project group and I are working with, uh, Tony Payne. He put the project together that we're using to think about uh, what God has in store for our community. This little tiny book is a helpful taste in uh, what we're exploring together uh, called How to, How to Walk in uh, to Church. And I want to read uh, just a, a bit of it to you to close to think about uh, one way uh, that you can begin um, to employ all that I've said tonight for our community. And if you have the book, you can flip to page 10 toward the bottom. The, uh, so these are the if, uh, How to Walk into Church books on your table. Toward the bottom, the second to last paragraph, one of a few that start with if you. Uh, If you think church is an opportunity for personal devotion and worship, you'll probably walk in not wanting to interact too much with anyone else. If you think church is something you have to do in order to, quote, do the right thing or stay on God's good side, you'll walk uh, in with a determination to do what needs to be done and then leave as soon as possible. But if you were to understand what the Bible says about church, about what church is and why we go there and what we're supposed to do while we're there, then there is one particular way of walking into church that you would want to master. This way of walking into church beautifully expresses what church is and what it's meant to be and why we're all there. It is this. We should walk into church praying about where to sit. I'll go on. Uh, Why is praying about where to sit the best way to walk into church? The answer uh, to this is somewhat unexpected question is simple because it expresses perfectly what sort of thing church is and what we're doing there. Firstly, whenever we pray, we express the bedrock truth that is the foundation of church and of everything. God is the gracious, sovereign God, 
and our lives and purposes are in his hands. He is the Lord whom we serve, and his is the power that upholds the universe. And then skipping down to the bottom of page 12. Secondly, when we pray about where to sit, we're also putting ourselves in the right frame of mind toward each other. We have started to think about church as being about someone other than me. This can be quite a mind shift, but it's a vital one. We come to church not only to be loved and blessed by God, but also to love and bless others around us. We come not to spectate or consume, nor even to have our own personal encounter with God. We come to love and to serve. As we'll see in a few chapters' time, this focus on loving and serving and encouraging those around us. I need some water. Is a prominent theme in the Bible's teaching about our role at church. So when we pray about where to sit, we're trusting that what we do at church really matters, that God has something important for us to do, in particular, someone he wants us to sit next to, talk with, listen to, pray for and encourage, praying about where to sit. Who would have thought that such a simple act would have so many benefits? Um, You know, uh, (coughs) interpret that however you want. but uh, that, that's uh, sort of the kind of emphasis that I hope uh, we've uh, <coughs> had tonight. And I'm having a coughing fit. Um, but uh, anybody have any uh, responses or questions <coughs> to anything we've said? Logistically, where would you like to be? Uh, you can give it to me. Yeah. I'm, and I'm losing my voice, so... <coughs> I might not be able to. <laughs> be baptized. It would be nice to. No. Um, that that. Short answer is no. Gil can answer better while I regain my composure. Maybe we'll find it. Yeah, totally. Yep. I mean, by the way, uh, come every Sunday and avail yourselves of all the opportunities of the church, even if you're not a member. Uh, But I think that psychologically, is that the best word? Spiritually, emotionally, it means something different. I mean, uh, you've probably experienced this with other agreements that you've made in life Marriage. marriage, contract, whatever, right? Uh, I mean, really, we're talking about marriage to a community. <laughs> um, 
but it's not it's not a legal one in the way that marriage is seen by the state. But it does the same sort of uh, thing for us, I think, emotionally when we commit. Uh, yeah, to be baptized alone is all you need. Uh, but I think that uh, you know doing something like thinking about it, praying about it, uh, talking, getting to know the community uh, is an unspoken requirement, as it were, that that would seem necessary. Um, yeah, any other questions about anything? Beyond the uh, Reformation type forms, is, it, is there any thought about, I guess, a Sunday school type connection to the public park service? Yeah, we've kind of gone around that a bunch um, and no, no conclusion. Our forum is uh, our attempt toward that, so it's more sporadic. Um, one thing that's on my heart, if anybody wants to talk to me about it, is to think about the children in our community to begin with and, and not the adults. Um, I don't think we need anything as robust as what we do in the morning, but maybe there's something we could do uh, beyond the nursery, um, whether that's just like a little tiny chapel during the sermon or whatnot. That's a growing category of people here at this service uh, that uh, seems to be growing almost weekly. Uh, and I think without some attention towards the children other than saying they're welcome here uh, might cause us to, to lose some people. Um, uh, yeah, right. We just got one two and a half months ago. Um, but yeah, so I think right now that's probably a more pressing need than adult education. The, I, I think that you can get a lot of the same benefits by doing something like being in a small group. Um, and there are other attempts that we've made that are creative, hopefully, uh, that are providing an education like the pastoral uh, introduction that we do at the beginning of the service, um, the liturgical notes that we've put in the service bulletin. So we're thinking about these things. How can we creatively solve that problem without doing what everybody else doesn't expect? You know, um, So that's, that's the best answer I can give to the education thing. Uh, read the book that I just gave you, and then I'm happy to talk with you over coffee about it. Any other uh, questions about anything? Uh, yeah, Mike. Just to clear, clarify from the previous conversation about membership, you mean confirmation of your baptism, not confirmation of membership, right? Right, yeah, so confirmation, you know, this is the kind of thing that we expect, we, we assume everybody knows what we're talking about, but you might not. Is it is a, is a type of um, a, a, a ritual that we do uh, in the Episcopal Church and in other churches, you've probably heard of it before, where it's an opportunity for mature individuals, whether adolescents or older, to, it's not it's not a sacrament, um, but it's a, a way for them to to publicly bear witness to their faith. And so many people ha were baptized when they were infants or um, or otherwise, and just haven't had that type of opportunity before. So confirmation is great for uh, for for that for adults. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's available to all, but not entirely necessary, if that makes sense. All it does for us is you can run for vestry. Is that something you want to do? If it is, be confirmed. Uh, and you can vote at our annual meeting. A lot of people who come to the annual meeting vote even though they're not confirmed. We don't really, you know, I'm just saying. I shouldn't have said that, but I'm just saying. I really care if you're baptized, and more importantly, if you trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, and that actually means something, uh, whereas confirmation is optional, but a nice thing. So. If someone does want to be, become a member. Right. Yeah. Tell me, and I'll pass you on to the right people. Absolutely. And basically, it just means 
you have a beard who's our database person flips a switch in the database that says you're a member, um, and you start getting our newsletters. So whether or not you want to get junk mail might be a decision to make. But you can. Yeah, you can opt out. No, no, right. I think I had it sent to you. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm getting silly, which means it's probably time to close. Uh, and we're running low on time. Uh, I want to respect that. But let's have some frontline prayer, shall we? Um, uh, can I ask you, Zach, to, to, to close us in prayer? Thanks, Zach. And just a reminder, the books are my gift to you. Feel free to take one. Uh, if you fill out a form, you can get it to me or one of the staff members, Gil, Brandon, Zach, uh, anybody else who's in the room on staff, you can get it to them and they'll get it to me. Thank you so much. God bless. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.